business and people. Your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Business and People podcast. I'm your host, Walt Bayless, and today with me are two of the best entertainers in the online marketing space. Now, they're not here to entertain because they're plain and boring people. No, that's not actually true. They're two of the funniest guys ever. These guys have come from a show background where Rob Temple was actually a hypnotist on stage and Kennedy was there to really make sure people's minds were bent before they even got out of their chairs. Now, together, what they've done is is come together and created an incredible software program. So they're startup founders and they're taking their skills into that world, into the podcasting world, into the email marketing world. So I'm going to talk to them about how they got started, how they transitioned and where they're going from here and some of the challenges that they've come across. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Rob Temple and Kennedy. Guys, welcome to the show. Mm. Hello. Thanks for having Hello. us. I timed that perfectly. If anybody's watching this as a video, guys, we do have a good video audience as well. I timed it perfectly so that Kennedy was drinking just as I finished. I was hoping for that whole spray effect, but we didn't quite get it. <laughs> um, now, I know, Kennedy, you've got to head off. You've got a client meeting in a, in a very short amount of time. So I kind of want to bounce a few things quickly. Kennedy's going to get us started, and then I, I know that Rob will finish it off as he does so well. So, um, Kennedy, can I start with you? <laughs> it was quick. He didn't quite get there. Can I start with you? How did you go from, from an entertainer on stage into a startup founder? How did you get together with Rob? Like, what was your angle on the story? Yeah. So, I mean, my, my form of entertainment is what's for a lot of the world called a mentalist or in the UK, it's a mind reader. So basically, I use psychology, body language, mind skills in order to entertain people. So I make it look a lot like I read people's minds. And so I've always been obsessed. I think I was probably quite a paranoid kid. Like, what are people really thinking of me? You know, you're growing up and you're a bit like, yeah, everyone's judging me. Uh, so that's, uh, they so were. that's how it, it began. Just, you know, it only affects you when you're a kid. It only, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I'm not, I'm not even uh, self-conscious at all. Stop looking at <laughs> um, <laughs> So it began with that. And then while doing that, a lot of people started approaching me saying, can you help me by using your skills? Can you help me by doing a keynote or doing some training or something like that to do with the psychology and the influence skills? And I sort of dabbled in that for a little while, but I never really felt like I was delivering 10 out of 10 A-class quality material. I thought it was good. I thought it was eight or nine, but like, I don't like to do anything unless it's like 100% the best in market kind of thing. So then Rob and I, basically when we were younger, Rob and I met at a magician's convention. Believe it or not, there are such things. So, and basically at these conventions, people who do magic or affiliated arts, so hypnosis is an affiliated art, um, mind reading is another one, and, and juggling is another one, and so on and so forth. We all sort of meet together at these various conventions around the world, and Rob and I just become really good friends because not only were we both doing weird mind-related entertainment, but we were also interested in marketing and how those skills could be used further. And then it came around that we wanted to help. We realized we could help people to sell more of their stuff 
if they understood more about their customers. Mm. And you could do that remotely. You don't even have to do it in person the way that Rob and I do it on stage. So Rob influences people every day to think they're weird and wacky characters in his show and do ridiculous things they would never normally do. And I influence people to think of things or figure out what people are thinking. These are really valuable skills for any of us who are doing sales or marketing either in person or remotely. And that's sort of when Rob came to me and said, wouldn't it be really good if we could use something that looked a bit like a survey, but it wasn't shit? Yeah, right. And so imagine like it, it was a survey that allowed you to understand things about people so that you could later offer them the perfect solution to their problem. And I said, well, what does that even mean? Like you're talking in very abstract sort of roundabout ways. You sound like you work for a corporation. What the hell do you mean? <laughs> and, he, and, and the basic, it's, it's really simple. Imagine if you, when you've, when you get somebody on your list or you've just sold them something or they've just bought something or they've just been to your event, they've just done something with you, they're taking an action. And at the end of that, you send them a survey which says, what did you think of that? And secondly, which of these things is your biggest challenge right now? And you list four or five of the, the challenges that you help people to overcome. Mm. And each of your products or services will overcome a different one of those challenges. So for, you, for, for us like right now, let's imagine we might have a challenge, which is I can't get enough traffic to my website. Yeah. The second one is I'm not getting very good conversions on my website. And the third one is I'm running out, my cash flow's crap. I'm running out of money. So I need to figure out my, um, I need to figure out life to increase the customer value of every single person who comes into my business. All right, let's say those three things. If when you join our list, you tell us that you've got a problem with traffic, and we connect that survey up to our CRM, our email marketing system in this case, whether it's AWeber or MailChimp or you know, GetResponse, whatever, um, Infusionsoft. And, and you, you check that box which says, I've got a problem with getting traffic. We can then put you into a segment of Infusionsoft or tag you or whatever and follow up with an offer about our traffic program. So yeah. what we wanted to do is figure out a really simple way that we could ask people the questions we need to ask and then use that information to get them to a solution faster so they like you more, stay more engaged in all your emails, and we can sell them the right thing much more quickly rather than hoping the thing that we're promoting this week is actually relevant to them. So wow. the problem was, I realize I'm just chatting away here to myself. It's like a, a solo podcast. Rob's the point. silent like, pun, right? Yeah, Rob's, Rob's on mute, actually. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's, um, you'll make up for it in a second, though, believe me. Um, the, the challenge we had, though, and this is the challenge that Rob brought to me, is survey platforms have all been about creating anonymous feedback, which means you can't do anything with it because you can't identify which person said what. All right. you can do is look at a fancy pie chart and know that some people think you're great, some people think you're not very good, right. or some people want one thing, some people want the other thing. So you can't identify the people. Secondly, they're not designed to connect directly with the email marketing platform, so you can't do anything with the data. The data is almost like held hostage in your, uh, in your email marketing platform. Yes. So to actually do anything with the information. You've got to look at your email marketing platform and you've got to look at your survey platform and try and make sense of all that stuff, which is confusing. What you really want is all the information about your customers or your subscribers 
in your email marketing platform. So wow, what, what the heck was in that uh, conference packet, the magicians thing? Because that, if that all came out in one discussion, I'd be amazed. But we'll, <laughs> we'll get into how all that came out in just a second. But Rob, uh, let, me, let me direct this to you. So at least we can get you on the camera so people know who you are. So um, when, when I was in sales, and, and this is going back, you know, decades ago, I can't believe that that even exists. But my, my dream, I had this little dream that if I could hypnotize people, oh, dude, I'd be the top salesman ever. It's, it's not quite that easy or it's not quite that twisted, if I wanted to put it that way. Um, but what it sounds like to me from what was Kennedy was saying is that, that the skills you've had of both of you working with people's subconscious and bringing out emotions and understanding how people's reactions are working and that kind of stuff, you've put that into a software platform and taken that global. Is that, is that a fair recollection? Basically, I mean, there's this thing that with hypnosis, people, when they're hypnotized, tend to know what they're doing all of the time. It just feels incredibly natural. It feels like like the right thing to do. So that might be get up and sing like they're Madonna, but it just feels like it's the right thing for them to do. And they sort of can't stop themselves from doing it. There's that old thing in sales or in in, in influence and persuasion that if you tell somebody something, they might believe you. And if somebody else tells them it, a friend, then they're more likely to believe it. But if they've come up with the idea all by themselves, then they're going to be really convinced of it. And I suppose the idea is that if you can plant a seed in somebody's mind, so They've got lots of things going on in their life. You know, in the, let's imagine you teach business. Their business is complicated. There's lots of influencing factors that are going to be either propelling them forward or holding them back. So if you give them this simple survey that allows them to choose from the different options that might be a problem for them right now, like I can't get enough traffic or I can't get conversions or whatever, what you're able to do is to, A, make them stop and think for a moment in isolated thought. What is the one thing that is causing me a problem right now? And they've got a list of things they can choose from. They're going to choose the one that's most relevant to them. So they choose that thing. It sort of plants that seed in their mind and then they get on with their lives. And now when they start receiving the right marketing from you, like they start seeing the right ads on Facebook, they they start receiving the right emails in their inbox. The emails are coming through and the ads are coming through on their screen in a way that sort of makes them feel like they've been thinking about that all the time. There's the old thing that about, you know, try and make your marketing so it joins in the conversation that's already happening in your prospect's head. What this means is you get to start that conversation by running that survey, plant the little seed that will like water and grow. It's a bit like, you know, if you, um, you know, if you see somebody walking down the street and you know, you know them from somewhere, but it really irritates you, you can't think why. And that bugs you for ages and ages and ages and ages and ages. What it allows us to do is to sort of prod at the pain somebody's suffering from in their lives when they fill out the survey, and then it continues to like grow in their mind. And suddenly your marketing material happens to appear at exactly the right time. If they believe in the law of attraction or they believe in manifestation, it's going to feel like they've manifested this into their life. So it is really about, in a really ethical way, finding out what people's major problem is right now, not in a big brother is watching you you know, Facebook is stalking us allegedly. It, it's none of that. They're literally, you're asking them questions. They are willingly, willingly giving you this information and then you're able to follow up with them in the perfect way. And it just feels like the timing is perfect for them. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Super cool. So guys, because our audience are, are entrepreneurs and uh, there's a lot of business owners that are listening to the show and, and hopefully more will be listening. So make sure that that's on your to-do list. But no, the, the reality is there's a lot of people that are, are in business that's going to make sense to you. And they're going to be saying, yes, I need to run the surveys, all that kind of stuff. But let me just drill down just for a second into that starting moment for you guys. So was it, a, was it an aha moment for you, Rob, that, that made you rush over to Kennedy, shake him by the lapels and say, I've got it, this is the one? Or like, how did it all you know, how did it all come together in terms of concept? Let's do this. Let's make this a company. 
So it definitely never started as an idea for a software business. It started as a thing I wanted to do. So I was selling courses, teaching people to be a hypnotist. Uh, and that was my online business at the time. And I wanted to run a survey to those people and then be able to segment them and send them different offers and all of that stuff. And it didn't start as a business idea. It started as a problem that I needed to solve. Right. So it started as a, how can we do this? Does it exist? And we spent ages checking out all the other survey platforms to see if it could be done. And it just couldn't. This is like eight years ago, probably. Mm. And, um, in all of that frustration of not being able to do it, we said, there must be a thing here. So we actually started doing it just manually in our own businesses. So we stuck an email field in the survey so we could at least identify the people. And then initially us and eventually a virtual assistant would spend every day, would download all the CSV data, segment it into different bits and different CSV files, and then re-upload it into my email platform, Infusionsoft. And it was a bit of a hassle and you can't you can't granularly segment people as much as we wanted to. So if you had three questions and each of those questions had three options, you now might have somebody who's like an A and A and an A and somebody else who's an A, a B and a C. And you can't get all of those different combinations very easily. You had to just sort of pick one question and segment wow. based on that. Yeah. But that got us really good results. Like the increase in sales, the increase in relevance, the increase in engagement from our list. Unsubscribes happened much slower. People open wow. rates and click-through rates stayed higher for longer. It, the, 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 the results were incredible. And, and so we started before you went, wait a second. So for a few years, because I just didn't feel that there, I don't think either of us did felt in the right place in our lives or our businesses to start a software business. I've never people, all of, all of like lots of our mutual friends have said to me, Oh, you should really be selling software because there's loads of money in that. And I just thought, well, I, have, I haven't, I no, have no experience of software. I've got no technical knowledge at all. Um, so I, I just, it was the wrong time to start a software business for sure. But what we did do was to do it manually for ages and then get some of our friends doing it. So we've got friends who sell stuff to magicians. We've got friends who sell stuff in the fitness industry. We've got friends who've got e-commerce stores and we got them testing it out as well. Again, doing it manually. We helped them set it up because we literally just to be nice to our friends. We said, this is a cool thing. It's working well for us. You should do it. And then they started getting good results as well. So then we realized there's a bunch of stuff we definitely can't do manually. Like we wanted to take people to different thank you pages after the survey, depending on what they've said. And we said, well, this is going to have a knock on effect for coaches and consultants who have like application forms, being able to take people to the calendar booking system if they're right for it and somewhere else if they're not and make them paid offers. And we just realized there was so much untapped territory that we couldn't do manually. Mm-hmm. So in the end, we said, right, this is going to have to be a soft. This is going to have to be a piece of piece of software, and the only way to make it a piece of software, the only viable way to do it, is to make it something that we can sell it as its own thing. Nice. Um, so it was it was not an accident by any means, but it was a it was a few years down the line where we said, well, we need this thing, and crikey, the only way to do it is if we make it a make it a paid product. So you take me to, take me to that day. So Kennedy, Rob comes to you. You've been doing this together for a little while, manually downloading, uploading spreadsheets and completely sick of tired of segmenting A's and B's. And Rob sits across from you and says, I think, I think we've got to make this happen. How did you guys then say, right, well, let's just get it started then? Like wh- what happened then? Did you, did you reach out to outsourcers? Did you know people in the space? Like how did you actually then say, hey, this is how we're going to make this a real thing? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, Rob and I know nothing about software. We don't know our backslash from our semicolon. We really don't. Uh, So the challenge we had was we didn't know what we didn't know. Mm. So what we did is rather that we we initially thought we could just outsource this somewhere to somewhere that was cheap to hire somebody. And Rob said, oh, we'll get this done for a couple of grand and then we'll crack on. 
And I said, okay, fine. So we went along and we, uh, Rob wrote a lovely ad that on Freelancer or one of those platforms up work or whatever and said, uh, this is what we want to do. And it was as soon as we started receiving the first 3,000 responses to the ad, <laughs> which is the that we didn't have a clue what was good, what would work, what didn't, or if any of these people had a clue what they were talking about. We had put some stuff in there, like we put some some red herring questions in there. Remember, we asked them to rate themselves on how proficient they were with certain tech languages. And we listed five different tech languages. One of them was, uh, so it was like PHP and, uh, and DSL Plus and all this sort of stuff. And we asked the people to, to rate themselves out of 10 on how proficient they were with each of the different technologies. And uh, the, you'd be surprised that 70% of the people rated themselves between 8 and 10 out of 10 at DSIL Plus because we made it up. It does not exist. So that was an interesting thing that we realized we were, surround, we were definitely an industry where there was a lot of bullshit. And one wow. of the things that Rob and I are definitely known for, anybody who listens to our podcast, The Email Marketing Show, knows that one of the things that we do not like is bullshit. We're about what works, you know. So... We, so we realized this is not going to be the approach we can take. So what we did instead is we hired a recruitment firm who are a local recruitment company who we sat down, we interviewed about, we interviewed five recruitment firms to f- even find out who we were going to recruit. So we did that. We found the ones we trusted. And then we hired, we realized we wanted a local developer who had the unique skill of being able to interpret the tech world into the normal human muggle world in wow. which we live. So we decided we brought it all in-house. So that gives us a, a really unique thing, which I'm really, we're really, really proud of. And that is we're in a constant stage of development. We're constantly yeah. developing the software every single day. Like Colin is sat just, just in front of Rob, typing keystrokes that we don't understand, making the software do more stuff and making it, making it better for everybody. So it was that decision of realizing we are completely ignorant to what we don't even know, to the questions we need to ask. So we needed to find a way of tapping into people who, who already knew that. And the only that's, way to do that in a way we could trust was to have that person in the room with us. That's really cool. Now, I'm going to sign you out, Kennedy, so you can go and look after your clients. And uh, from my that. perspective, that's one of the most important things that you can do. I'm going to make sure that everybody jumps across and checks out Response Suite uh, and, and the email marketing show as the podcast as well, because you guys do know what you're talking about. You've got a great reputation in the industry. But Kennedy, I'm going to let you go and I'm going to finish up with Rob. Thank you for okay. listening. Sorry you have to dash off, everybody. Right. But uh, we'll catch up soon. First. Thanks, mate. I really appreciate you coming on, on, you on the take show. Take care, I'll catch you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, so, dude. Coming, coming back to you then, Rob. So the decision then, that was interesting what Kennedy said, was you actually interviewed the recruitment agencies. So you've, you've yeah. gone through a process with, before you've gone through a process to make sure that you're going to be yeah. getting the right people. What was the, what was the reasoning behind that? So um, Kennedy and I are in the fairly unusual position of having never had a job. Um, so we both, he's three years older than me, but we both came out of school. He went to university. I didn't, but we, at about the same time, therefore, uh, we both came out of education and went straight into being entertainers. So it's all we've ever known. So we've never been to a job interview. I've never been a barista in a coffee place. I've never flipped a burger. I know nothing about how that works, which means that our very first question of our very first job interview, which was Colin, who again is sat just next to me, um, his was how, how does this work? Yeah. How did, you know, and when we had our like annual appraisals and stuff with Colin and Grace, who sat a bit further away, like again, we sat down and said, right, what's the first question? How do we, how do we do this? Um, and wow. so 
we were able to really invent the process. So what that meant was we had a couple, we, well, the one thing we did know from people that we know who are in employment is that recruitment companies are notoriously a bit of a shady industry. It is here in the UK anyway. I don't know if it's the same globally. And we, we basically spoke to a couple of recruitment agencies who were sort of national or big. Um, and the, for example, there was a guy who called, uh, he called Kennedy's PA and said, um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be late for, this is the guy from the recruitment company. I'm going to be late for my, for our interview, um, probably by about half an hour. And Mel, who knows Kennedy and his temperament very well, uh, said to the guy, if you want this, if you want this work, then be there on time. Nice. And, uh, and he did turn up on time, uh, but he came in and he looked scruffy and he sat down and he said, um, do you, he'd, he'd done no research on, on, on us or what we were looking to do. He hadn't read the brief that we'd given them. And then he asked us when we got to the end of sort of describing Colin's rule as the founding developer of a software platform, he sort of said, now, uh, obviously we're both Reason young, um, I suppose I would have been thirty at the time. He would have been thirty-three, um, and he said, uh, "Now, just just so you know, um, you know this is this is the salary is probably going to be about." And then he quoted a number, and sort of said, "Is that okay?" And the number he quoted was about half what we were actually anticipating. Like he was really quoting somebody who who probably just qualified, who had very little experience, um, and so we thought, "You really don't get this." Yeah, uh, you really don't see where we're coming from, or or how this is going to come together. So he got fired, and so we very quickly realised this isn't going to this isn't going to be as easy as we thought. And it was when we came across the recruitment company we ended up using, who are tech specialists, because we needed somebody who could do a bit of the tech um, scoping out for us to make sure we didn't have those diesel plus experts turning up. Um, you know, and we had you know, and we did we end, did end up interviewing a couple of people. There was one one guy we interviewed who said, you know, what do you um, what would you say is your what would you say is your sort of weakness as a recruitment company? And so we don't really have one. Um, and so the minute somebody doesn't have a weakness, suddenly that's out the door for us. So we, we realized that in order to in order to make sure the person that's going to come into our business and be the founding developer of our software, to make sure that person is competent and good and a good cultural fit, we need to make sure the person finding that person knows what they're looking for and what and sort of gets us. So in the end, we found this really small firm based up here in the northeast of England, and they were just great. We got into the room with them at their office, and they just got it from day one. Wow. Um, and yeah, they found us Colin, so yeah. Which is fantastic. So two guys who have never, in inverted commas, had a job, and I've seen that a lot in in uh, what you describe as, as both of you, your journey of, of being completely unemployable. How did you how did you feel on day one when Colin started with you? And hi, Colin, you're sitting across from Rob right now. Thanks very much for listening to Rob's side of the story um, <clears throat> for probably the millionth time. How did you go from that to first day of work? And oh my goodness, we've, you know this is kind of serious now. We've got to actually turn up at the office and and make it look like we know what we're doing. How did you transition there? So we've always been very honest. We have a policy in the business that we call radical transparency. It's not our idea. We stole it from somewhere else. But it's the idea that every single person in the business knows everything that's going on at all time. Everybody knows how much money's in the bank. Everybody knows how much money the business is making. Because let's, let's face it, it's not hard to figure it out. Um, everybody knows everything that's going on in the business at all times because we think that's the best way to be. Um, and so we already had the office because it wasn't this room. It was, it was uh, two rooms downstairs. But Kennedy and I shared an office anyway just as somewhere to work from rather than home. And so we were already used 
to coming into the office most days. And um, so we've just been very, very honest about the whole thing. You know, we said we've never done this before. This is new to us. You know, we've got, um, we're paying an HR person to make sure that we do everything legally. But we didn't, we wanted to make sure there were no processes for the sake of processes. We don't have meetings about meetings. Uh, You know, Colin came from a big company and he was able to tell us what he liked and didn't like about working there so that we could make sure that we were able to implement the things we've heard from, from our staff and from our friends make sure that we implemented things the way we wanted to. And if something didn't make sense to us, having never experienced it, we sort of said, well, why the hell does that happen? And change stuff around. So actually it was, um, it was a really exciting new thing. You know, we had to sort of say, well, this is the, this is the, yeah, <laughs> this is the fire exit in the event of an emergency, go out down the stairs and, nice. you know, out the door and it, it was uh, you know but we sort of did it a bit tongue-in-cheek with a bit of a smile because you know it's it just we're saying it because you've got to say it but uh there's the first aid kit on top of the bookshelves yeah exactly next to the accident book which can easily fall <laughs> on somebody's head um <laughs> yeah so we just just take it fairly tongue-in-cheek really you know take it seriously but we you know we uh never stop laughing in the office like we have such a good time and that's Excellent. i think that's so important it's a, it's a, it must be generating a nice culture. So, mate, now that so let's let's wind that clock forward then. So we've we've brought on board Colin. You've now started to to create what is now Response Suite and and uh, getting some some traction out there. How did you start the process of let's go and get some clients and 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 make this a real thing? So we knew that it was going to take us about six months to get to sort of MVP stage. So we 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 documented we sort of. Um, built out a uh, structure for the next six months that was going to get us to to that sort of minimum viable product. We did that, and then around halfway through that process, we said, right, like, let's put a, let's put a sort of um, a date in the sand where we say, right, that's when this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so we decided that we would do a, um, a lifetime deal launch of the thing first. So we put it on JVZoo, the network. Uh, we decided we'd use affiliates to promote it. They'd get half the money. We'd get a bunch of customers. It was never going to make us a fortune. That wasn't, the, that wasn't the plan. It was just to get some customers in. It probably paid the bills for a couple of months. Like That was literally all we wanted to do. Um, and so we did that first launch back in April 2018. And it went really well. Again, it did what it needed us to do. It, it paid the bills for a couple of months. It got some customers through the door. And it allowed us to find out what they wanted to do next. We actually shaped our entire next quarter of development completely based on what those customers came in and said. Because wow. what we'd planned wasn't what they wanted. So we've re- we had to completely reprioritize stuff because we realized actually now that we've got real customers in here using this, we now need to figure out what's going to happen next. And it was their decisions. It was their sort of vote that shaped that. Uh, so that was interesting. And then what we did was we took it off the market. We were always keen to um, not be on any sort of third-party platform forever. We knew we wanted to build our own billing platform so that we could have all the freedom in the world to have people upgrade, downgrade, change from monthly to annual to quarterly and back to monthly again. So we wanted to have so much flexibility in the billing system that we actually just took it down off sale for about another three months while we built that out. It's got our own affiliate platform built into it now um, just because we wanted to be able to have the flexibility that you just can't get with a third. There's nothing wrong with them. You just can't get that from from those platforms. So we decided that we would build it ourselves. We took it down off the market again for about three or four months while we made those changes and built those bits. And then we said, right, now we're ready to go. We've got a really solid platform now. We said, there's, there's ne- we're at the point where there was no bits that you'd be embarrassed about the look and feel of them. Like suddenly we were happy with it. And it's always evolving, of course. We're cha- you know changing tastes and changing fashions and changing trends. So we're always evolving it. But at the time we went, right, there's no like ugly skeletons in the closet in here now that where we say, oh, don't click on that button. Yeah. Um, and as soon as we got as soon as we got to that point, 
we said, okay, great. Now, now this is ready to become a, the monthly annual SaaS platform that we, we wanted to build in the first place. Mm. Um, and that was our journey to that bit. How did you take it to market from there? So we tried lots of stuff that didn't work. We very quickly found out that we would run out of money entirely if we tried to fuel it just with paid ads. Um, the cost, the, the lead time, because we're not funded, we're entirely bootstrapped. Um, so, and that's a choice. Um, we've got lots of SaaS platform friends who are uh, funded and we just decide that's, that's a different game that we don't want to play. Um, so what that does mean is we have to think a little differently. So we know that we can't afford to spend 10 months of somebody's membership in ads to acquire them as a customer. Yep. which can't. Um, we would struggle to spend three months of somebody's membership to keep them as a customer. So we tried that, very quickly found out there's no chance in hell that's going to work. So we did a couple of things. First of all, we set up our affiliate platform, as I said, and we moved to affiliates. But as a sixty, well, as a, as a, as a monthly SaaS platform of any price, it is difficult for somebody to just blast out a quick email to their email list and sell other copies of that. So we, we realized that actually the best people that we could work with as affiliate partners would be people who are Infusionsoft certified partners, HubSpot certified partners. In other words, they are working with clients who use the platforms we've got. Because Infusionsoft has however many thousand customers they've got, and HubSpot's got however many tens of thousands of customers they've got, then that's that's great for us. That's all the customers in the world we need. So we started working with finding and working with those partners who could go to their clients and say, hey, you could really do with having a survey in here. And then we recommend this platform because it integrates with your HubSpot and we can do all of the work, which means that it's a win-win for the certified partner because they can promote it and get paid a, a recurring commission from us. But they also get to be able to have the billable hours of actually doing the implementation for the client. So that was good. So we pursued that route. Um, and then a, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go on to please, please pause and just like remember what you're about to say because I'm, I'm fascinated. But just as a success tip, I love that like from a business point of view, looking at customers or looking at people who are out there who have similar customers to you and being able to form those partnerships with them, that's a massive, that's a massively huge um, advantage. I bet. Okay, go back. So what, what did you do next? So the next bit for us was now to look at what are the what are the sort of key industries that we think would get the most benefit out of this? So for example, we discovered that from talking to a law, a lawyer that we know, a guy who owns a, a sort of smallish law firm, 10 staff, we found out that actually this is a thing that lawyers really need because lawyers have a real problem upselling and cross-selling their customers. And it's to do with the fact that all the different lawyer, all the different departments within the law firm tend to work in silos and tend not to pass work back and forth. Not because they don't like each other, just it's just a thing and it happens in law firms around the world. And we found out about this from talking to this guy. So we showed him this and he said, well, if you put together a professional package which would have custom integrations because we use our own crm and if you had like half day workshops where you come in and work with us and help us get it up and running that 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 package to a law firm could add a million dollars in revenue in the next year just by getting a few extra clients in a, a commercial clients to to buy something else and to engage their services for something different so our next thing was okay great so we've got our sort of certified partners of these different platforms they're working over there they're integrating it into their clients work great that's that's doing its thing now now let's go and find uh, those professional services firms so lawyers accountants that kind of thing who can take this where they've got a higher sort of package offer um, they have the ability to be able to sell uh, lower volume stuff but for higher prices and get a great premium so we went and, and went after that market that was our wow. sort of next attack but we knew that all of this was quite labor intensive so there was lots of 
one-on-one selling, whether you were selling it to the to the certified partners who were going to go and sell it to their clients, or whether you were selling it to the to the law firms, there's lots of one-on-one selling. And we knew that to really get the scale that we want, that wasn't going to work. So eventually that led us to this idea of what if what if Response Suite wasn't actually our business? What if Response Suite was actually just a product under the umbrella brand of Robin Kennedy? So we really started to stop and think, and we, we did some really deep digging into who is our ideal customer. If we could only sell to one person on earth, who would it be? And we came up with the fact that it would be people like us in our previous and our other businesses. It would be people who create and sell courses on the internet, people who have expertise, coaches and consultants, experts, that kind of thing. And so we thought, okay, who, who are they then? Let's map this out. We thought, well, we don't want to sell to, it's going to be harder to sell. We do want to sell to everyone, but it'd be harder to sell to people who are new and starting out and don't really have like an email list yet because you would struggle to justify the monthly cost of that. So we said, okay, so we want people who've got a couple of thousand subscribers plus. That's all you need, a couple of thousand subscribers and you'll be in a great place up to somebody who's got a list of a million subscribers or more. And so we said, okay, great. And we, and we really built out the sort of customer avatar of somebody who is creating and selling courses. They've got a few thousand subscribers. They're probably making a minimum of a couple of hundred grand a year up to two or three million a year. That's our sort of main avatar. Somebody who's creating and selling courses fits those parameters. So we said, great, what's the thing they've got in common? And we realized the thing they probably have in common is that they do email marketing. And if you can use response suite without email marketing, but it was built to power and make your email marketing better, to make the data in your email marketing platform work harder for you. And so we realized, well, we need to go after those people. And so that meant, well, hang on a minute, that means we could create and sell stuff that appeals to people who do email marketing. It's our biggest passion in marketing is email. It's our favorite thing to do. I genuinely love it like the biggest nerd. And so we thought, well, why don't we create and sell courses and products and stuff to about email marketing? Because if we create and sell courses about email marketing, we know we can turn over a profit at that really, really fast because we can get affiliates to promote it really easily. We can run paid ads through it very profitably. So we realized if we can create and sell um, email marketing products and courses, then we're able to generate customers at profit. And then those customers are uniquely qualifying themselves to be perfect for response rate. Wow. If we run a quick survey to them, which we do, to say, do you have a list yet? And if the answer is no, great, we'll pop response rate over there for now and we'll sell you more courses to help you build a list and do better email marketing. But if you say, well, I've got a list of 25,000 people or I've got a list of 5,000 people, then they're going to be ideal to filter straight into a promotion for response rate. Wow. So effectively, what we've realized is we can become our own best affiliate by having what started as a side brand with two products. Uh, as email marketing heroes and the email marketing show podcast, we realize we can have that little side brand that's going to be profitable in its own right. Like if, even if we got rid of response suite, there's a, there's a, a potential for a million dollar business out there. We can take that and scale it and then use those customers to sell response suite to. And actually within the last six months, response suite has become a product of Robin Kennedy rather than the only business. If that makes sense. I love it, mate, because from a, from a journey point of view, like my, my whole intention with anybody that's listening to this podcast is that they can listen to amazing people like yourself and Kennedy who come on the show and tell their story of how things are working and then pick something up and take it to their own industry and make that work. So let's look at those three things that you put together 
and and push that down down the line. What you did was you said who's who's a customer group that has a cross sell ability uh, and a high you know value cross sell ability. Great, fantastic. Let's create a market over there. Did that really well. Then we said, okay, how do we then take that into a, a higher value organization and, and deliver more than just the base level product? And who's going to be my 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 customer, my avatar for that? Fantastic. And then the third one, which I absolutely love, rather than buy my product, buy my product, buy my product and running the ads and doing that kind of stuff and fighting the masses to try and find the few, what you've done is created the lead funnel for people who are actually interested in that specific thing and then brought them through knowing that that product was there. And from anybody that's listening, if you're looking at that and thinking, well, what can I do to be able to create that same thing? I love what Rob said there before is if you can define the ideal customer, wind it back a step, what is it that has that they have in common and create that or bring that into your funnel so that you're, as you said, self-qualifying those leads to be the, the upsell for the product that you're, you're trying to put together. Mate, that is really a fascinating ladder. Are you pleased with how things have gone from there? Yeah, so I'm I'm naturally a very calm and laid back person anyway. So we've definitely because we've we've effectively been on sale since April 2018, so quite a while now, and we've definitely made some mistakes along the way. Like we we expected much faster growth than we got. We thought we're going to put this out there because everybody we tell respond we tell about response we instantly goes that's a great idea. I really get it, uh, and they sort of come back with the immediate response of the next time I run a survey, I'll definitely use response And we say no, 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 you should be doing it now and build it into your business and make it like we're trying to start a movement to make sure that people have service is built into the core of their business structure. And so that's harder than we thought. And we realized because it's such a steep learning curve and everybody's busy and everybody's got things to do, we can't just wait until people want to run a survey. And it probably took us too long to decide that we can't just wait for people to want to run a survey. And so we have to work really hard on education. We have to work really hard with content marketing. We have to work really hard with actually making money in other ways. And we're doing that, like I said, through selling email marketing courses. And it's t- it took us far too long to come to that conclusion. Wow. However, um, because we only really came up with that. We only really started doing it about six months ago. And it's made all the difference in the world because the business actually, you know, is, is making more money that way and it's creating great customers for response rate. Our, our profit, it means the minute somebody buys response rate, it's profit rather than having to wait for months and months and months to acquire the cost of acquisition back um, or to get the cost of acquisition back. And so it took us too long to make that shift. Uh, and it was partly a partly a just a mental thing for us. We were so fixated on the fact that Response Suite was the brand and the company and the product, and we realised it doesn't have to be that way. Like Robin Kennedy can beat the brand, and that's just one of our courses. So we are so happy with the direction that we're in now. Um, we've just launched a new membership program for people who do email marketing, and that's very cool. And so again, all of this that'll bring in recurring income into the into the business as well. So it, again, it's definitely taken us too long to get here, but I think whatever you do in business that happens you can look back you know three three years later and say oh we could have done that faster than we did yeah yeah sure but um, yeah, i mean super ha- super happy with the trajectory that we've got now for sure fantastic do, do you mind talking shop email marketing just for a moment then go for it you said it's your favorite thing in the whole world so i i love it too i, I i'm a, a big fan of email marketing and and you know a lot of the people that are watching or listening to this show may have had an email about it and and have come to listen because of something they've received. But we all receive those emails. We all have an inbox full of promotions and stuff coming through. And yet it's still, in my opinion, one of the most valuable uh, ways of creating a customer database and being able to fulfill customers, making sales, all that kind of stuff, drive the revenue engines. So for a business that is 
uh, new to that environment, Rob. Somebody that's, you know, let's take a very obscure industry and, and let's say it's the air conditioning service guy or it's, you know, the local dentist or whoever it might be, right? Somebody has a company, they've been busily running ads and serving customers for these last 10 years and this whole concept of email marketing is brand new to them. How would you take somebody by the hand and say, look, there's some really cool steps that you should take to turn this profit engine on for your business. And it's a great place for you to give a plug if there's a course that you have where a business may have, where, you know, you have a course that people can get started with this whole thing. What's the way that you would suggest that they do that? So the first thing for us is that the world is crowded right now. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you sell. Your industry is really crowded because everybody's is. And there is an abundance of crap out there. And one of the problems with the internet is that it's made the tech, especially in the last few years, it's made the technical barrier to entry for starting online very, very low, which means that more and more people have done it. And there is an abundance of even more crap out there than ever before. And so what that means is that when people talk about list building, they'll say, well, create something valuable for free and put it on a page and people give you their email address and yeah, everyone's a winner. And the problem with that is it's just not that easy anymore because I mean, I can't tell you the number of, like I flick through Instagram a lot I can't tell you the number of people I've seen when I flicked through Instagram recently advertising things like, uh, here's how to plan a year's worth of content in the next 30 minutes. Like that's, that's the hot topic right now. And next month it'll be something else, but I, I they all blend into one. I've never heard of any of these people before. If I do opt into their list, I can tell you that in three or four days time, I'm probably going to have forgotten who they are again. And so that means that list building has to be done differently nowadays. So we have a thing that says there's, there's no point in creating anything unless it's exceptional. And there's no point in creating anything unless the thing that you're offering is the thing that they can't get anywhere else. Now that's not as difficult as it sounds because otherwise nobody would be able to do it. Um, we have, a, as, as a cheeky plug, we have a course called First 5K, which is designed to take somebody from nothing to 5,000 subscribers in the next 90 days. Um, and basically the first, the whole premise that makes it different from other list building courses is that we will, because fundamentally the process is the same, create something for free, put it on a page and drive traffic to it. That's what all list building looks like. The thing that makes it different from everything else is how you create a thing that so stands out from the crowd that it so cuts through the noise that it's the thing that only you can offer. And we have a really solid framework that we put together for tapping it again it uses all of our knowledge i suppose as a hypnotist and a mind reader of how do you tap into somebody's mind so to get away from the plug the thing that somebody needs to do is they have to decide how can i build a list by giving away something that is so unique and so different out there that even if it says the same things it does it in a completely different way and it stands out so that when somebody joins your list not only is that thing remarkable to them because let's face it if you create something truly remarkable and you want to get 5,000 subscribers in the next 90 days, if you could get one person to opt into your list and then tell 4,999 other people about it, you've just built a list of 5,000 people. Now, I'm being, I'm being a little bit cheeky and a bit flippant when I say that, and I, I reference that example in the course, but it is true. So, for example, from time to time, I will see something that is so remarkable and people use the word remarkable too easily nowadays. It's so remarkable that I actually remark on it and I'll call Kennedy and say, dude, you've got to go and opt in for this thing. And then I'll call somebody else and I'll say, you've got to go and opt in for this thing. And the reason that's happened is that piece of content, whether it's a blog post or an Instagram thing or an opt or a lead magnet is so remarkable. I have to tell other people about it. Mm. And so 
we decided in that case, the simplest way to build a big list really quickly and to keep that list engaged is to create something that is absolutely remarkable in your industry. And it's not as difficult to do as you would think. There's just a framework for it, which is what we teach in that course. So the first thing is don't build a list for the sake of building a list because you will very quickly blend into the noise. People will join your list and a few minutes later, they'll forgotten who you are because it happens to everybody. You'll be on loads of people's lists where you think, how did I even end up here after a few days? And so for us, it's about making sure that you spend that first little bit creating a really deep and strong relationship with them so that they remember who you are, they give a toss, and they and they remain engaged going forward. And that means that list building becomes about more than just being a numbers game. It becomes truly relationship marketing. Wow. So do you... Um, I, I've skipped so many, so many uh, questions forward with that, but in terms of relationship marketing, like... One of, our, one of our guests just recently was talking very much about personal branding and being able to tell your story as a way of doing business. And I think that's, that's incredibly powerful combined with what you're saying and being able to create that community of people who are responding to that story. And, and that certainly becomes um, something unique. Do you, do you endorse, um, you mentioned Instagram there before, like is there a benefit for chasing the the 100,000 Instagram followers and the, you know, 15,000 Facebook page opt-in or likes or followers or whatever? Or is it all, in your opinion, all about the opt-in, the email on the list and the database? I think it serves a purpose. Uh, we were speaking at an event recently that was about content marketing and we were, the, we were the closing speakers about, and we were talking about email and it was really coming from an angle that email is really just another part of your content strategy. So I think that for me, there's a few different layers of, 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 the, of the pie or the cake. What you've got is you've got a bunch of people out there floating around in your industry who have, they're interested in your thing, but they have no idea who you are. So they're interested in fitness and weight loss, but they've never heard of you as the expert, for example. And so what happens is they, they're browsing around and they spot, uh, they spot something on Instagram that grabs their attention and they end up following you for a while. So they're, you know, they're liking things and they're looking at your Instagram stories and they say, oh, this guy seems to know what he's talking about. This is good. Uh, and then at some point they see an ad of yours and that ad take and one of the things we talk about is trying to create a zero competition audience so basically that's creating an audience that is so layered it's not like i'm targeting you know i want to i want to target people who are bodybuilders so i'm going to target people who like arnold schwarzenegger you know there's going to be people like arnie because he like they like his politics or because they like his films or you know they're not so you have to suddenly it doesn't matter how good your targeting is if you're just targeting after interests and nothing else then you are just competing with a bunch of other people saying the same thing so we talk a lot about layering that up again we've got a framework for it but layering that up so that what you're targeting is not just based on interest but it's based on their level of interaction and engagement with you so have they responded to a whole bunch of your posts in which case they're they're now then they're now not only interested in the thing but they're interested in you and nobody else on earth has that audience because you've personally pixeled them or put them into an audience or whatever so we're very much about thinking that your job of your social media is to build a bit of an audience and just get them to trust you long enough to give you their email address and get involved and now what happens is now they're, now they're on your email list they're receiving your email communications whether that's daily or three or four times a week or whatever it's going to be but they're also getting to see you on social media in the background which means that you you become what we call 3d they get the chance to, if they don't check their emails for a couple of days they're still going to see you on social media so they're going to get that little nudge as to who you are so for us it, they work hand in hand the job of social media is to feed your list just like the job of your list is to feed your paid products and programs and services so it's just for me social media is it became trendy and exciting for people to teach a few years ago when email marketing got difficult 
uh, because so many people were doing it and getting into the inbox was harder and getting noticed in the inbox was even harder than that. Social media became a really trendy thing to do because at the time, algorithmically, it was quite, it was quite simple to grow very quickly. Now the algorithm's against you. They're changing it all of the time. Building an e- email list is algorithm proof. In the worst case scenario, if your email marketing platform gets terrible delivery or they close you down for some reason, you can just export that list and take it and put it somewhere better. Like that's fine. You can't do that with your 100,000 Instagram followers or whatever. So for us, Instagram and all of that stuff serves a purpose. We definitely love social media for that. But for us, it's just there to feed our, our email list and move people up that little hierarchy, up that little pyramid of engagement. I love it. Have you ever met a niche you can't build a list in? don't think I have. There's certainly niches where things become problematic. Like if you're in a particularly sort of adult industry, then obviously running paid ads is usually quite difficult unless you go to an adult paid ads network. Um, But typically, I think everybody on every business on earth can and should build a list, even down to, you know, like a business that has never thought about it. We've got a bunch of friends in the Northeast of England here who've got like independent restaurants and stuff. And for them, a customer will come in and they'll have a lovely meal and they'll say thank you and they'll pay the bill and then they'll go and they might come back. And whether they come back or not really depends on whether they're talking to their husband or wife and saying, do you want to go to that restaurant again? Or do you want to go somewhere different? And that's like leaving far too much control in in the hands of the customer Um, and so we said well why aren't you building a list of every customer on the bottom of your receipt when somebody gets the bill give them a little I mean you could do anything you want for us it's give them a little survey that they can go and fill out a bit like the big chain restaurants do it and then do nothing with that data other than just generally see how branches are performing against each other but small independent restaurants build a list of the people who come to your restaurant find out based on what what, what they say in their in their survey, find out, are they a vegetarian? Are they a vegan? Are they out for a special event or do they eat out regularly? You can find this stuff out just by asking a few questions. And then that way you can make sure that you don't promote, you know, big meat Tuesdays to the vegetarian audience and all the rest of it. And you, you, again, your email marketing becomes a, a really powerful part of what you're doing. So for us, I think every, every business on earth can and should build a list. Fantastic. Mate, I am absolutely uh, in awe of the ability that you and Kennedy have to be able to put that together for companies. And I genuinely want you to, to give a plug right now. Where can people go to, to find out more about email marketing? By the very nature of that, of course, they're going to find out about Response Suite, which is what we've talked about already. But where can people go to come and find out about this stuff? So best thing to do is probably to go and check out our podcast, which is The Email Marketing Show. You can get there at theemailmarketingshow.com and you'll be able to listen back to all the episodes so far, theemailmarketingshow.com. And once you get there, you can click onto the products tab on the navigation menu and that'll take you to our email marketers game plan and email marketing rescue mission and response suite and everything else that we do as well. So yeah, theemailmarketingshow.com. We'll make sure that that's in the show notes as well because genuinely I feel like um, my job as an entrepreneur and, and building this audience with the podcast is to help the listeners build their businesses. And that's certainly a way that I can see that happening. So that works for me, being able to say, this is a tool that you can, you can multiply your results with. So it, like I said, that's not a shameless plug. That's really making sure that people are going somewhere to pick up a set of tools and skills that will see them in a good way moving forward. So I appreciate that, mate. What's next for you and Kennedy? Where are you taking the company? What's the, what's the growth plan? Where will we see you? Um, so we're continuing to grow email marketing heroes as a brand and those products, uh, for sure. That's, that's particularly within the business. That's my particular focus. That's the bit I'm heading up. So we're having bigger promotions. We're creating more products. As I said, we've just, uh, we just launched our membership program just to private privately to our list for now, uh, which is called the league of extraordinary email marketers. Um, and it's, uh, and that's super exciting. We're doing lots of cool stuff there. So that will continue to grow. And of course, uh, hopefully we're going to be speaking at more events. I'm sure we've got a bunch booked in for 2020 already. We 
we are organizing our first email marketing event, which is called Inbox, which is in June uh, here where we live in Newcastle. Um, so yeah, lo- lots of things, growing our email marketing presence and all of that stuff. Fantastic, mate. The, the, the difference for me seeing where you've come from and, and now really crafting a business that serves a specific need to a customer and, and, and bring that forward is absolutely fascinating for me and, and super exciting. Rob, I want to say thanks. Thanks very much for the, for the opportunity to come on. Um, I have not done justice to the skill that you guys put together with the email marketing program. And of course, with then the response with being the, the accelerator or the turbo booster for that, I haven't done that justice. Um, but I really do thank you for the, for the opportunity to understand the story, how it all came together, um, because I find that massively valuable for our audience to be able to, to put that together. But guys, if you want to know more, and I think you should, head over to the emailmarketingshow.com. Tap into what Rob and Kennedy have got to say on the podcast. That's a free resource, the same as this one. You can tap into it, subscribe to it, find out how you can get started, loads of tools, tips, strategies you know, that they've had from years of doing it together. And, uh, of course, then tap into the courses as well to really uh, maximize your returns. Rob, again, thank you so much. Please pass on my thanks to Kennedy and to Colin, who's off screen but has no doubt been an important part of this podcast. I really appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Hey everyone, it's Walt and thanks so much for listening to the episodes on the podcast. We really love bringing these interviews to you and I hope you're getting a lot out of them. We've designed the podcast to really help and to engage with everybody out there. So you could help us by simply leaving us a comment or a review, subscribing on iTunes. Head over there now, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us. It helps more than you could possibly believe. Do that now and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.